I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It's time for the Life Writing Podcast with your hosts, authors and screenwriters Stephen Barnes and Tanana Reeve Dew. All about creating the project of your dreams while living a balanced artist's life. Be the hero or heroine of your own story. Sponsored by LifeWritingPremium.com. Get ready to write for your life. Welcome to the Life Writing Podcast, where married authors and screenwriters Stephen Barnes and Tanana Reeve do talk about writing during stressful times, breaking into Hollywood and balancing life. Every week, we'll share more tips on how to build a better life while you create your dream projects. Even if it's only at the rate of one sentence a day, life writing is the application of the tools of writing to life and the tools of life to your writing. Hey! Hey there! Here we are. Good to be back. <laughs> we have such a great show today. We I really do. Say right at, I don't always say right at the top who the guest is, but I, I'm not even going to wait. Our guest today is LeVar Burton. The one and only, the, the extraordinary. LeVar Burton. So yeah, it, this is great. Up, yeah, you better. You better give it up. <laughs> they were in shock. They were like, wait, the LeVar Burton? The? <laughs> like, okay. The LeVar Burton is our guest. But, uh, but first, as we always do on the Life Writing Podcast, Steve and I like to catch up on what we've been doing for the past couple days or the past week. You and- know, for me, for me, it's uh, trying to get back on the horse after being guest of honor at, at Worldcon. And that's, you know, that was a, a wonderful experience. And But it does require that you recover. 
afterwards. Yes. You put out a lot of energy when you're dealing with people in, 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 in public. You know, when they asked us to do that, my attitude was, well, what can I do to be the best guest possible? And that includes not necessarily sleeping every time I want to sleep and sometimes being public when I'd rather be private. So you, you put that energy. What about you, T? How I, you I have learned just from trying to drive in traffic again that I do not have the same amount of patience and attention and focus that I did before the pandemic. I'm just used to living a quiet life. So being around people draws on a lot more energy than it used to. And it was always that way to a degree. You know, I, I'm a bit more shy than you are. But when I'm in public, I like poured it on 11. And it's not that it's yeah. fake, but that's what I have to set it to. No, Nobody would guess <laughs> that you're more of an introvert than I am. That's totally what you are different. publicly. You know, you do you do a great job with that. You but know, it the- has a price. It has a price. So my plan was for Worldcon that I would I would be very careful about the number of panels that I committed myself to, which I I held to that. I I cut a couple, and that I would spend the rest of my time in my room because we're still in a pandemic, you know. So I yeah. was not going to be just wandering about, eating and drinking in people's faces unless you know it, it was a very specific circumstance. And I remember every time I did that because as a hypochondriac. I have to know the countdown, like, okay, do I have a tickle in my throat? Yeah, yeah. Three days ago, I was at that Hugo Awards, right, event, and we were sitting at a table and I ate something. And that's kind of how my head works. <laughs> no, for, same thing for me. I mean, I went to a couple more functions than you than you did. I went to the Writers Museum and saw the wonderful exhibit they have there for Keith Cato's Chili Party. His <laughs> final chili party at, at a Worldcon, he says. He's oh. never going to do that again. So it'll just be a more local thing you know, now. Maybe maybe Westercon or something like that. Oh. Yeah, he's, he's just a stellar guy, just a wonderful guy. And But I, I hadn't been able to do yoga. And the half-hour Bikram yoga series that, that you and I do is essential for sort of returning my body and mind to a neutral position. Everything that you do, whether it's fitness or function, shifts you from that neutral position to some specialized form to do X or Y. It's like you, you clench a fist and then you have to relax your hand afterwards. Otherwise, your body will seize up in that position. Mm-hmm. Same thing is true psychologically as well as physiologically. And in the, in, in, in the, the body in that sense is a metaphor for, for the mind and the emotions. But So I did, uh, did yoga for the first time in almost two weeks today. Wow. And to my surprise, it wasn't that bad. In other words, the the... Short-term, the, the, the short-term workouts, the very intense workouts that I've been working on for the last you know, couple of years, I think that I've got something right now that is doing a very good job, even if I've only got five minutes. And if mm-hmm. I, if, in other words, if I only have five minutes, I know what to do. If I have 10 minutes, I know what to do. If I have 15, 20. If I'm away from home, if I'm at home, you know, it, there's a certain degree of trying to remain consistent to get in touch with you know, the meat sack. You know, and kind of say, you know, the, the Hawaiian Huna have hey, a... Hey, 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 none of that talk. What the heck? No, I'm just <laughs> the, kidding. The, the Hawaiian <laughs> Huna have an expression that the body is like a black bag where you store mm. your unprocessed emotions and and stress and things like that. So in Why the black got to be black, uh, black, though? Why the bag got to be black? <laughs> All right, no, on, go on, go because on. Because those racist Hawaiian Huna, <laughs> that's what I'm saying, you know, just like, you know... Uh, on the other hand, we're the colonizers in that sense. So it's, yeah. you know, uh, I don't you know. know about we, but okay, go on, go on. <laughs> so, <laughs> at any rate, what I found is that in terms of basic joint mobility and balance, 
and balance of muscle tensions and so forth. I wasn't in a bad place. I wasn't in a bad place at all. Well, uh, you're forgetting one thing, too. What's that? Sun salutations before yes. bed and in the morning. Yes. So, you know, that that's kind of included in the short program, you know, okay. that I do sun salutation every morning when I wake up and every Google night them, before people. I go to bed. Google them. Very easy. Um, it's, and it's very good, but it, it, it's wonderful for spinal flexion, but it's not. You also have to rotate. You have to rotate the spine. You have to lean one, you know, left and right. So you've got six. There's six basic options for movement. The sun salutation does a really, really good job with about four of them, you know. And so you need to do other things for for the others. But you know, we'll talk more about about that later. Aside from that, what about projects, honey? What what are you sliding into in terms oh, of projects? Oh my lord! Listen, we're moving as the audience probably has heard us talking about endlessly. <laughs> no, the move isn't over. Technically, it hasn't really begun yet until at the end of the month, but. We're doing it in what I consider a very sane way, one piece at a time, taking car loads. So by the time the movers actually get here, there will be a lot fewer things in the house than there would have been. And also, there's a feeling of nesting and claiming the new space that I find so healing. That's where I did my new yoga. My yoga this morning was in the new house, the new yoga nook in our master bedroom, which, yes, now we have a yoga nook in our master bedroom. And I cannot tell you how wonderful it was. And so the work and slight trauma, really, of packing up your life uh, that that is moving, (laughs) to me, really gets soothed by visits to the new house, bonding with nesting, you know, just claiming the space and, and i'm having a great time now and it's a beautiful house i mean like we the place we've been in for these six years we had to move without a lot of time to do it so it was a matter of okay this is an interim thing then right about the time yeah, interim we, became six years <laughs> that's right because just about the time i was like well you know i mean it's time for us to be getting out of here the pandemic hit that's for sure and and, and then it's just a matter of you you hunker down and stay safe because we don't know how bad this is going to get, you know. Right. I've seen too many zombie movies that started with pandemics. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, anyway, so we've got. You didn't even you know, know you were that funny, did you? Television projects and this movie project that we pitched, but we haven't heard anything back from. So I yes, have to yes, kind of keep yes. myself, you know, balanced about that. And then there's the you know the podcast, and then there's the graphic novels. So we have a bunch of different things that are going on. And it's difficult to keep them all balanced in the midst of all of the of of all of the stuff. I mean, what I try to do is to set up so that all I have to do is do what do the work that's on my table today. Yes. What do I do right now? And then do a Pomodoro, twenty five minutes of total focus on something. And I found I get a lot done. But trying to figure out what to work and you know, worrying, am I forgetting something? What you know, just I had to send a note to some people that we're working on right now. It's like, did, did I? Miss you? Is there something I'm supposed to do? No, luckily it was them. Things but, will fall through the cracks. But one thing for sure, the the guest that we have coming up, you know, Lavar is, you know, he he is definitely the one legged man in the ass kicking contest. He works. He, he yeah, he is definitely the hardest working man in show business. So uh, I'm dying to find out what he does to keep his head screwed on straight for a long and fantastic career. So let's absolutely bring him on. And also hear about all the great things he's working on. He's an American actor and television host, best known for playing Jordi LaForge in Star Trek The Next Generation. He also played Kunta Kente in the ABC miniseries Roots. And if for some reason you have never seen Roots, and I excuse you, some of y'all are young, you missed it. You didn't see the whole world shut down every night that was on TV. Like everybody, everybody 
watched Roots, except maybe you. So go back and <laughs> watch it because absolutely classic television. A host of PBS Kids Educational Series Reading Rainbow for more than 23 years and beloved from that. Received 12 Daytime Emmy Awards, a Peabody Award as host and executive producer is Reading Rainbow. He's had so many roles. It would really take the whole podcast for me to just go over this whole bio. But he's also a director, which I don't want people to forget. He's done Charmed, Jag, Las Vegas, Soul Food, the series, the Tiger Woods story. The, uh, he's just done a lot of great work. And there was some kind of news out of the Star Trek universe this week that I bet we can get him to talk about. Oh, so, please, please. And and anything else? On, I, oh, and of course, what am I thinking? Hello. One of the most famous podcasts ever, <laughs> LeVar Burton Reads. <laughs> Which I was so thrilled. I've had a couple stories on LeVar Burton Reads. One of them was The Wishing Pool. And the other one, I, I can't even remember the name of my own story at this moment, but it'll come back to me. I know which story it was. I'm just having trouble thinking of the title, but it was a, a historical piece about, about a woman who had been enslaved, running away, and her uncle had sold his soul to the devil. Or so, so I will come up with the name of that story after LeVar comes on. But without any further ado, the great LeVar Burton. Let's unmute him. So glad you could come on the podcast. This is a, a peak moment for us. It, it, is, it is my pleasure. It is good to be with you both. And oh. this, is a, this, is, this, is, I, this is a first for me. I don't think I've ever dealt with both of you simultaneously. It's either in, in, in our history been one or the other. So this is, this is, uh, this is juicy. This is delicious. <laughs> That's true. Now yeah, it's double this is, trouble. Double yeah, trouble. this is pretty much the way we are most of the time. You know, just uh, you know, trying to find ways to have fun together and work together and live together, you know, raise our family and stay sane in the midst of the storm. Well, we started this podcast in January, really feeling like we were late to the podcast game because you as an OG podcaster know podcasting has been a thing for quite a while, <laughs> but we're like for a minute and burgeoning. I mean, it, it grows in leaps and, and bounds almost daily. Why do you think it's so popular? Really? I think it's it's storytelling. And, yes. and, and the popularity of, of podcasts and and the, you know, the proliferation of podcasts indicates that that you know what we know to be true as storytellers is that stories bind us together stories are the currency of culture stories are what we all have in common it's one of the things that is universal every species of, uh, or every every type of humanity values storytelling as an integral part of being human a total agreement. Yeah. I, I think there are ways in which storytelling created human uh, an aspect of human consciousness because yes. it allows us to bind ourselves together in a web of association that is nonlinear. It's it's not about what happened when as much as what was the most important thing. Yes. And you sequence you sequence these moments that define you or define your people, and you tell stories to your young people, the older people telling the younger people of the tribe, this is what your lives will be. And it is, as you said, totally universal. And I think that it is part of what makes us human. I would not be at all surprised if primates and cetaceans and you know have their own versions of storytelling in, in, in simpler ways, mm -hmm. but that, but help them to understand what they are and who they yeah. are. Yeah. 
I was going to say, don't back off the word species because yeah, my cats right. love it when I tell them stories. <laughs> I, don't I, just, I don't know if that's true or not. But but LeVar, also, when you talk about story, I also want our listeners to know that you yourself have written some stories. You mm. read stories, but mm. you we both blurbed your novel Aftermath when it came mm. out. That was actually the year we met. That novel came out Indeed. the year Steve and I met. And and you also have a, a children's book that came out. When did your love for story begin? It's, it was it was set early on, early, early on. My mom, my mother was an English teacher. And that was her first career. She read not only to us when we were children. I have two sisters. I'm in the middle of, of my sisters. But she read in front of us, right? My mother was an avid reader and always had at least one, most of the time two, sometimes three books going for her own pleasure and enjoyment. And so it was that modeling that I got from Irma Jean that really set the die, right? And, and, and the course for my life that does indeed, and I believe was always intended to revolve around stories and storytelling. Yeah, say her name. I love that. My Irma late mother. Yeah. Yes. E-R-M-A-G-E-N-E. My mother possessed the masculine aspect of her middle name, which is interesting to me just because she was both my mother and father. Right? Mm. And, and Got she, it. She walked, she walked that balance as, as, as best as I think any, any woman could do. I think that those single parents who have to hold both yeah. of those energies, male and female, they are heroes. Yeah. They are warriors for their family. And it, it, it costs so much. Yeah, they absolutely are. And, you know, we were practically homeschooled in Black history and Black literature as as kids. Mm -hmm. And one of the books that hit our house like a bomb was, of course, Alex Haley's Roots. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you, you know, I'm not trying to say there's like that big an age difference between us. You were just a few years ahead of me, but you happened to be out in the world, <laughs> you know, I think at USC. Mm -hmm. when you were cast as Kunta Kinte. But I, I have to tell you, there's a photograph of me. I think I tweeted it to you once with a, a project I did called My Own Roots, where I, I talked to my great-grandmother about our family history. That performance, even really more so than the novel, to be honest, that miniseries and, and your performance in it so electrified me. One of the reasons I wanted to be a writer, LeVar, to be perfectly honest. What was that like, young man, getting such a big role? Well, you know, I will be honest in saying that I was too young and I won't say dumb, but certainly <laughs> uninformed to really fully understand the magnitude of what was going on and, 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 and my part in it, literally my role in, mm -hmm. in it. It, it. It was a it was a huge moment in American history. It was a huge moment for American culture. Roots went on to be broadcast around the globe and was always met with the same enthusiasm. And at the age of 19, I did not have a way to comprehend all of that. The, the impact, the ripples, the, 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 you know, the, the, the rippling effect of, yes. of, of that inciting incident, right? The, the, the television broadcast of the miniseries. And we're, I think we're still feeling the, the ripples today. It, it feels like we've gotten to the very, 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 very outer edge of, of that movement. But 
that movement has given way to a new movement, you know, as, as, as indicated by the, you know, the George Floyd summer and, and just the yes. conversation that we're having in this country about our own story, about our own history, our own national story, who we are, where we come from, what we, how we got here. We're literally having a conversation about how much of that do we teach our children. So this is a, a again, it's a, Roots was a, a watershed sociological moment. Not just in entertainment, but for the society at whole. And I, I, I know that we are in another really watershed moment currently as well. Well, we are. And it's so interesting. I'm actually getting goosebumps as I think about it. Because people who, who were not around for the three network era, right. when basically there was ABC, CBS, NBC, that was it. Right. Everybody was watching one of those channels. And Roots, which was on ABC... When I say everybody was watching it, bars, you know, black people, white people, all people were watching it. And in some ways, it is so hard for me to imagine that happening today because the story would be considered explosive. It would be considered divisive. People don't who don't know. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) oh, why do we got to watch all this? Why are you politicizing slavery? (laughs) Trying to make America look bad. (laughs) You know, I mean, trying to make me feel guilty. Right. Yes. I mean, there, there are there, there, the, the the arguments for resistance are, are are many. None of them make sense to me. However, well, none of them are valid. None of them are that. Thing. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. So wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. 
With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. You know, here's the way I would look at that. The Civil War was about the question, are they human? Yes. The civil rights movements was, was about the question, are they American? In other words, do they deserve full rights in America? But I think that as of the turn of the, of the millennium, the question now is, are they actually equal? What if black people are actually equal in mind and spirit, not just we're going to, you know, equal in the eyes of God or equal in the eyes of the law, but if they are equal, if we are equal, then the playing field has been more unequal than people have ever wanted to admit. And the history of America has to have been different than a great number of people want to believe. If 60% of a certain political party were birthers, Mm -hmm. then very clearly there are some concepts about what we are Mm -hmm. that do not match that. Are they fully human? Are they really equal? I think, and I think it's tearing the country apart. Because people are having to look at questions they thought they could shove away. If we if we give you this token, is that enough? If we do this, isn't that enough? You had a president, isn't that enough? No, it's enough when the the demographics reflect the leadership and the presence in entertainment. Yeah, that is you. when that is when those pressures can be reasonably considered to be gone. And that I think is terrifying to certain people and they're fighting they're digging in their heels like well as if it's going to cost as, them their as lives if, as if their lives depend on it. yes yes and 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 it makes sense to me because they they do the, but it, but what they what i think they're they're not seeing is that their resistance is is the problem right yes mm-hmm. the resistance is the problem because what what Roots laid the foundation for was our ability to have this conversation in this moment. We, we had to first establish that, wait a minute, there was a huge human factor involved in slavery. And it wasn't just about this economic engine. There was a human cost. And we need to be aware of that going forward. So Roots sowed that seed so that now we can, we can say, we can, we can say, right? We are not going to take this anymore. No. We need, we need change. We need accountability from, from our institutions of, of, of government and authority. We need to hold police accountable for yes. the over-policing of, of people of color. Say that. There, there are conversations that we are having today that we could not have had, right, 20 years ago. And certainly not 40 years ago. No, absolutely not. I mean, just could not have had. And if you tried to have them, people would say you're making trouble. I mean, there was never a time when the people who benefited by slavery did not say the institution was fine. These people are fine. Stop agitating. During slavery, they said it. During Reconstruction, they said it. During Jim Crow, they said it. During the Civil Rights era, they said it. And they're still saying it to this day because it's just that matter of trying to hold the tide back. And they can't. And I think that's what's terrifying them to the degree that certain recent political actions were basically gigantic Hail Mary passes Mm -hmm. by people who are desperate to stop 
change and terrified that on some level they know they can't do it. They cannot they cannot hold that, that tide back. One of the things that is so interesting about your career is that you went from playing Kunta Kinte to playing Giordi LaForge. That you were the past and the future. And the hey, that's I mean, hey, the well, symbolism. And that you are the reading rainbow guy is in the middle of, of that continuum. Yeah, I'm, kind of watching yes, it happen. And Jordy's on the other, but Lavar is in the middle. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about how Lavar sees this process. How does you know in just the person that you are, as opposed to the roles that you've played? What is your feeling about? what you have been and done in terms of history. I feel very strongly that, that this is all being orchestrated by a power much, much greater than me and a, and, and a force that knows so much more than I do. And my commitment is to show up, right, in this life and do what is being asked of me and, and be good with that. Right. And I feel like over the years, I have been put in positions of tremendous influence. Yes. And Star Trek and Reading Rainbow. These the, I call these the, you know, the, <laughs> they're, the they're, they're, they're my three legs on my three legged stool. Right. Um, because they have provided a foundation for my life as a storyteller. And I just, I know that, that I, I can't help but think that, again, someone much more intelligent than I am planned for this sort of representation of the, the experience of, of African Americans from slavery to the future, which in, includes, you know, on that journey, a connection to literature, story, and the written word. I mean, to have been able to, through my career as an actor, express the breadth of that journey for Black folks, is it's a real blessing. Well, Afrofuturism, baby, yeah. you know? And one of the things, I teach Afrofuturism at UCLA. The and ability one of the things, to dream up the future in our own image. Yes, I love that. I love that. <laughs> that is that was badass right there. <laughs> That's what Afrofuturism is to me. Right, right. But and what's also fascinating to me about Afrofuturism and really about African Americans as a people is that while we keep an eye on the future, we also respect and honor the past. Right. right? So what the fact that you are both Kunta Kente and Jordi LaForge. Makes perfect sense in the Afrofuturistic realm because you you can't move forward to the future without understanding your past and and I just think that's that's a beautiful. Now that's that right there. It's that if the tallest trees have the deepest roots and the tallest buildings have the deepest foundations. By yes. denying us our history, the people who were benefited by programming us to be. Well, robots, flesh robots to a degree, got to feel better about themselves, got to not just extract our labor, but also to exploit our sexuality and to feel good about them. So was it that Lyndon Johnson said, you know, the way that if the poorest white man can feel better than the than the richest black man just because of his skin color, you've you've got a voting block. That that we have to we're we're breaking that down. And I feel 
like it has been very obvious that white people in America, most of them simply want to love their families, go on with their lives. And I think that their children are asking the question, well, if these dark-skinned people are not what the media has said they are, if they're not what the history books has excluded them from, if they are human fully, then who are they? And I think it actually creates an opportunity for storytellers. That, that these people are good people. They just want to live good lives, but they are wondering who are these dark folks who've been walking at their sides all this time. And I think that those of us who have processed our own anger and fear so that we don't feel like we have to have you know venom within us mm-hmm. have the opportunity to reach out with love and understanding and honesty and to move the conversation forward. And I just wanted to congratulate you for one of the people who has dealt with your disappointments and your angers in a way that is that is that allows you to to address the world with joy positivity your your, your, your public persona is one of the most positive in the entire industry <laughs> that can't be accidental as you know uh, in Jessica Rabbit she said well I'm just born that way I was I, I'm I'm just drawn that way yeah, right. That's, I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. It's just a part of my DNA, you know. Right. It's also, I, I think, you know, in, in many respects, like, like everything, my positive mental attitude is a survival mechanism, right? Um, mm-hmm. As all of our talents turn out to be, they are, they are our responses to the environments in which we are, you know, incubated and we develop these these talents and and skills in an effort to live a more successful, stress-free existence. Did you have any specific mentors who helped shape your attitude? I I am the man that I am because my mother was the woman she was. Beautiful. Can you tell us a couple of, or at least one, core philosophy that she gave you? The world will not be fair. And that doesn't mean that you don't have to pretend it it has the opportunity to be right that 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 the things she taught me i think the best lesson the biggest lesson the world is going to be hostile to your presence simply because of the color of your skin however you cannot afford to allow that to become a handicap for you you need to focus on achieving your most full potential in spite of the unfairness of this world. Yes. I heard recently somebody somebody said it was brilliant, 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 brilliant. When 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 talking about these kinds of issues, they said that other people's opinion of you is really none of your business. <laughs> Beautiful. I love that. That is so well put. That is choice. Which is to say, don't get hung up on the obstacle. Focus on the outcome. You know, that's a little bit like riding a, a bicycle through a forest. If you look at the trees, you'll crash into the trees. You have to look at the space between the trees. The space path. between the trees. Look you know, just a matter maybe. of perspective. That's, I've, I've just been able to shift into a perspective that allows me to stay positive on a daily basis because I know that it's that positivity that is actually part of the fuel for my engine. How do you, okay, yes, specifically, yes. can you Don't be specific? How do you shift to the positive? Let's say you have a disappointment, like Jeopardy, for instance. Yeah. We know that was a disappointment. Yeah. Do you have, what do you, 
Very public. <laughs> Absolutely. Because you took the risk of letting us know that you cared, which yeah, means right. that they had the power to hurt you. So we're so, all retweeting and we're all campaigning. Yes. So yeah. what specific things do you do when you're knocked down to get yourself back up and in the in the right state of mind? What 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 are your rituals or what are your actions? What do you do? It, well, it happens on two levels. It happens on the you know the, the mental, emotional, and and the physical, right? So on a mental, emotional level, I recognize that everything happens for a reason, and that because I was so invested and 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 thought it was I I, I thought it was a done deal. I thought it was a lock. I had been so focused on it for so long, having had the opportunity to do a week's worth of shows. I thought that that was the the just the pro forma before. I got the job. When it didn't turn out that way, it forced me to really evaluate, well, so what was this all for? Believing that everything happens for a reason, so what was the reason that I'm going through this anguish (laughs) right Mm. now? And then, of of course, in the fullness of time, the, the the answer became very clear when I got the call from Trivial Pursuit. And and they offered an opportunity for me to partner with them on creating a game show that gives me an ownership stake. And that's oh, that's so much better. Have had with some yes. pictures entertainment in Jeopardy. But the but the practical, Stephen, it's for me, I have learned that stretching and breathing and water are the the keys for me right? Drinking, (laughs) hydrating, also immersing myself in water. It helps me recharge my battery. It, Mm. it, it, it helps me rest and recharge. And so, and body work, right? So keeping, you know, keeping a balanced physiology for me goes a long way toward keeping a balanced mental, emotional, and spiritual state. Beautiful. Well, that's exactly the life writing philosophy. So you are in the right place on this podcast. So, so let me let me kind of take a look at this. That if we were starting from the philosophical, you have a philosophical point of view that life, that things happen in life for a reason. Therefore, if there are negative things that happen, you're auto- automatically looking for what is the good that I can find from this? What is the lesson that I can find from it? Simultaneously, you are doing things to take care of your body, which allows you to kind of hit a reset button. On your neurology. So by by looking at at the overall pattern, looking where you fit in the pattern, doing the things that are right in front of you, hydrating, stretching, yes. you know, swimming, breathing. you know, breathing. Yes. That's right. We recommend that people breathe 60 seconds of deep, slow, diaphragmatic breathing every hour will completely change your life. Change your state. Change yes. Yeah. 100% true. You know, and I know that you have allies. I know that you, that I believe that Tony Robbins is yeah. one is, is in, in your resource circle. I, I, he, he is, he is. I, I, I was, uh, uh, I used to hang with Tony a little bit back in the day doing firewalks and, and, uh, wow. and, and hanging out. Yeah. Um, I, because, because he has a, a great technology. Yes. I've, you know, I've, I've, I've sort of approached my life as exposing myself to as many different ideas as I can and taking that which works for me, incorporating it in, in, into to my thing and, and leaving the rest, you know, behind. Take the best from all of the systems, right? In the service of crafting your own. Absolutely. That's, that's, that is that's, how you that, do it. That is art. Yeah. You take yeah. it in and then you express what is appropriate to you. That's, that's beautiful. And, 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 and have, it, have it work for you. 
Right. Now, now tonight we wanted to move to. Yeah, uh, well, I want to do a little fan service because the fans would, would kill me if I didn't. But, you know, mm. you told us before we started taping that you just got back from Portland. Mm. And, you know, what, what happens in Portland doesn't always stay in Portland because there's a big article in one of the online fan sites that says the headline is LeVar Burton teases five episode arc in Star Trek Picard season three. I don't know if that's really what you did or what happened I, there, but what can you say about it? And, and how does it feel? That's what it says. I don't know. Wow. Well, here's well, the full quote. Here's a full quote. <laughs> it said, someone asked you what the perfect, like if you could create your own Star Trek okay. episode, yeah, what would it be? And, and you said it would be the upcoming five episode arc of Picard season three. And they made well, a big thing about it. I did say that. <laughs> I, 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 I did say that, uh, you know, God, you gotta be so careful. The, that it, it was the, it was the answer to the question. The emphasis for me was if you were to dream up the, like the perfect scenario for the next gen, what would it be? And, and after thinking about it for a moment, I recognized that I don't have to think it, I don't have to dream it up because Terry Metalis has already done that. Hey, right? I love it. This, I love it. This is an opportunity for for this cast to get the closure. Yes. That we never had the opportunity to have. When we shot our last movie, we didn't know it was our final film, right? And so there was never a, a conscious completion to that the journey of that crew. This addresses that. Oh, you, I love it. When you came into playing Geordi LaForge, it was a different time in American history with different limitations on black actors, let's kind of say. Now, I'm going to say something here that I'm hoping we're going to be able to leave on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but no, back, back before Next Gen ever came on, yeah. my agent sent me a Bible for the show. And I remember hearing that you were going to be on the show, or I'd heard that Jordy was going to be black. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, because I am a cynic in certain ways, when I got that Bible or when I heard about it, my thought was, I wonder how they're going to make Jordy a eunuch. Mm -hmm. And I I looked at the Bible (laughs) and it said... It said that because Jordy is blind, he's not attracted to women. It said that right on the page. And and I but may but at some point he might have a relationship with quote unquote a perky redhead. So as so I looked at that, it was like, oh my God, there it is. So I know that you had challenges. I also know that the character has evolved greatly over the years. And I was wondering, you know, within the the bounds of, of propriety, can you discuss a little bit what your feelings were during this process? Well, first of all, let me say I'm really, really glad that I was not exposed to that description in the Bible. However, I did. Part of my journey of, of playing the character was to bring more, more dimension and, and balance to this character than they had visioned for him at the outset. And my biggest regret is that they did not see as important or important enough to spend screen time on the development of of this character as a full human being as a man right and that they had they really leaned into this idea that the 
the the geeky engineer was awkward around women and i did not know that they had that that they had written it into he he, he just wasn't attracted to them because he was blind that's bullshit because <laughs> he was blind he wasn't attracted to women that is that is that is highly upsetting to me in oh, yeah so i i think that that it was, i just laughed to keep from crying sorry yeah it, ultimately it was it was impossible for the white males in the writers room to see the glaring nature of of their of their thinking their erroneous thinking that 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 sort of, that did in effect emasculate an otherwise wonderful inspirational character well i'm i'm really glad that you didn't see it either because then we might not have been able to enjoy your you in that role for all this time so in spite of ourselves in spite of ourselves that would have been a tragedy <laughs> i mean you yes. you know i think that all of us have dealt with the fact that we or our parents or our grandparents dealt with things and found ways to hold our heads up yeah. for them to hold their heads up so you know my dad was a backup singer for nat king cole right. and could not stay in hotels where he could perform so every time I've run into a barrier, I just think to myself, well, it's just my turn in the barrel. I'm, whatever it is that's going on here, it's less than my parents and grandparents went through. Absolutely. And my children will get to stand on my shoulders and their head will be above water. That, 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 that those, these changes are happening one funeral at a time. As they, say, as they say, you know, technological and social change happens a funeral at a time. So I am so glad that you were able to hold that position with authority and dignity all that time because if you hadn't it would have been a tragedy it sure would have been and a wasted opportunity yes, yes. Yeah. absolutely well speaking of opportunities not a wasted one one i one of the things i love about lavar burton reads besides your voice lavar you're just so soothing and hearing you tell a story evokes every memory of having a, a parent or an adult tell me a story when I was younger. You just really inhabit those stories. And you you do so much honor to the authors that you read. I remember the name of my second story. Three was, gems mine. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Am I at that point where now other people have to tell me the names of my stories? What is going on? But but I, I've also seen you do live performances with, like, friends of ours, Niecy yes. Shaw and, and Nalo yes. Hopkinson and people yes. we just deeply, deeply admire. And that is a story of taking control of your brand. Yeah. And creating an opportunity for yourself. So if you could just, for those who don't know, what was the story of how LeVar Burton Reads came to be and what does it mean to you and to your listeners? Wow. That's, that's, that's a, that is a great story because the, the impetus for, for creating the, the podcast was my experience at having gone to WNED, secured the rights to Reading Rainbow and reinvented the brand for the digital generation right on on the ipad taking what was a television show and 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 transforming it into an an ipad app right and that journey was so intense and intensive and it was exhausting not just learning a whole new world of of tech and and entrepreneurship but it was so consuming but i wasn't getting my creative yayas out Right. It was all about the business, 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 business and and running around hither and yon to, you know, raise money for the business and do things for the business. And I wasn't being creative and, and I felt like my soul was dying. 
And so I was looking mm-hmm. for something to do where I did not need the permission of gatekeepers. I didn't need a network to say yes. I, did, I, did, I didn't need a studio to finance it. I had an idea. I took it to Stitcher, and, and they were immediately enthusiastic about it. And I guess about a, within a couple of months, I was in the studio. So it happened really, really quickly, and that's exactly what I needed. I needed something that I could jump into that was mine and that I didn't have to ask anybody's permission to do. That is great. And that, to me, is part of the beauty of podcasting on the creative side, anyway, as a creator. I mean, we're doing we're doing this podcast, which is a a conversational self-help podcast. But we also have dreams of, you know, dramatic podcasts because you don't have to worry about how much it costs to to shoot in outer space or to shoot in in the (laughs) desert or to shoot underwater because there is no shooting. (laughs) You're just reading in front of a microphone and the rest is the the imagination of the listener. Of the listener. And, you know, when, when I was a kid, we spent some time overseas in Germany. And, you know, radio was the primary form of entertainment. All television, what little there was, was in German. And so listening to the Armed Forces Radio Network and, and those radio dramas and yes. really right. sitting in front of the radio and using your imagination, that was another formative process for me in terms of my becoming a storyteller myself. That's wonderful. You know, Harlan Ellison used to say that he hated television. He felt that television killed the imagination, but that radio unleashed the imagination because you have to engage with a story that you're reading or hearing. You have to bring something to it. And I just, you know, it, I, I'm delighted that radio drama is coming back as podcast drama. I mean, that, that's it's just so awesome. wonderful. It's needed. It's needed. We've gotten away from it. You know, that, that spending a little time in our imaginations as adults, it becomes, you know, more and more difficult for us, it seems, all of the time. And so one of the reasons I do the podcast is to remind that generation of adults now who grew up on Reading Rainbow, hey, you need to be spending some time in your imagination. It is spending time in that creative space of the what if that is going to free up some of your brain matter to a- approach and attack all of the other issues that you're dealing with in your life. So let's not leave an important arrow in the quiver let's spend some conscious time in that imaginative space of creativity i've got to ask the question when you went back to film this this five episode arc mm-hmm. was it like a homecoming was it bittersweet how did it feel Not bittersweet in the least it was it was glorious and 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 because again because we we put an exclamation point on the 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 journey of of this crew and and their time together with us there there was no bittersweet about it it felt absolutely fulfilling on wonderful every level, right wonderful um, it, it 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 was it it was the gift that was you know decades in coming it had been 25 years since we had last put on our spacesuits and and related to one another as these characters so how is that possible gosh time goes by so fast know, right crazy that is but scary there you but go 
fantastic to 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 have that reunion and to feel that way within that reunion and yeah. appreciate all cast members. Yeah, I'm and- so happy for you that you had that opportunity. I Me mean, too. truly, that is a rare thing in life. A, a, a really rare thing, especially given that we never thought, I never thought we would, I thought that ship had sailed. That ship had sailed. We were never going to be able to, you know, to bring closure to the next gen arc and, and until now. Well, you know, bless you. You know, back to back to the question of self care mm-hmm. a, a little bit. And actually, you know, the other thing that I guess I would I'd really like to ask is someone who looks at your life and your career, and you know, is a, a young person. You know, if you were going to go back and give a piece of advice to the young man you were at USC, yeah. that would that would help make his way better, easier, or more fulfilling, or or whatever whatever else. What would you say to that younger man? Relax. Let go of all of this anxiety about the future. It's all going to work out fine. When I'm speaking to, 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 to young people, I, I generally talk about life being a, like walking a controlled fall. You've got to put the, the foot in front of you, right? You have to take that step that's in front of you. The next step will reveal itself, right? When you're walking, we always, that other that other foot sticks sticks out there and and hits the pavement otherwise we would fall on our noses right we would our faces would hit the ground but if you take the step that's in front of you the next step will reveal itself don't be so concerned with writing the end of the story when you're in chapter 1 ow that's ow, so good ow, snap that so is good. great thank the you audience, the audience is going to have to wake up for that one cuz that was good. yes so well put. So well it's put. All going to work out in the end. Everything happens for a reason. It's all to the good. Just be. Don't change your commitment. Don't change your your passion. Don't change your energy and enthusiasm. Just don't spend so much of it on anxiety because mm. it doesn't it doesn't add value to the process. You know. No. The, the, the Dalai Lama said that the meaning of life is to seek joy and be of service. Yeah. And it sounds as if that that path is not incongruent with yours. Not at all. There's great wisdom in that. Seek joy, right? Seek joy. That that's why we're here. That's why we have these senses. We we are attuned to the frequency of joy. And it's when we are not in that energy that we're out of balance, right? Exactly. Um, being of service to the others. That's, you know, my mother was a social worker as her second career. So I grew up in a family where it was just assumed that your life would be about service in some way. Before I studied to become an actor, I was in the Catholic seminary studying to become a priest. So the idea of being of service to a community has always been a part of my journey. That's that's beautiful. And a lot of our listeners probably did not know that about you. You know, you mentioned that that today is a self-care day. So I'm, I'm very grateful and honored that you would share your self-care day with us. I but love in, in, you too. <laughs> Sincerely well, great. and deeply. You oh, thank you. Important to me on my journey. Let, let me turn the, 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 the tables to Nana Reeve. There is, there are two books that I have never completed in my life. One is Norman Mailer's Armies of the Night. And the other is my soul to keep. Oh, shoot. Okay. <laughs> my soul to keep scared the shit out of me so much that I had to put it down and I haven't picked it back up yet. 
it's so funny that you say that because I, I saw the miniseries roots before I started reading the novel. And I have a bookmark from the time I was, I think, 11 or 12 years old at the spot where Kunta got his foot cut off. <laughs> and I have never finished reading that book because I knew what was going to happen. I knew the rest of the story. I swear to you. Wow. I swear. I shouldn't even admit it. Cathartic revelation, though. I I, I feel unburdened. (laughs) (laughs) When they cut that foot off, I'm like, oh, hell no. This story is over for me now. But all all, all the the young life of Kunta, everything that we got to see you play, all those scenes, I was like just just swimming in those. But I did not want to read what happened next. So I I can relate to that story, LeVar. So and sometimes I, I, self-care I say that to say I, 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 you, 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 you do me honor, you know, by, by asking me to come and, and, and spend some time with you in this space. And well, you know, you have, you have both been very important to me. In, on, on my thank you, LeVar. I know that you were involved in trying to get to my novel, Lion's, Lion's Blood, Blood, on, on the television. And- Which, by the way, just for the listeners, Lion's Blood is Steve's brilliant alternate history of a world in which the Americas were colonized by Africans bringing European slaves. And he, you know, well, you go on from there. I just want to make sure people know the magnitude of this project. No, I mean, I kind of figured that the world would have to change, have to go through a couple evolutionary changes before that book will be ready. And I'd had a number of people ask me about transferring it to the screen. And I frankly was not enthusiastic about it that when Greg came and mentioned that you were involved in the process. Your association with Star Trek and with Roots was part of my decision that that it wasn't it was I didn't think to myself, well, he's got the juice to make it. I thought to myself, he has the ability to to get there. Actually it was Vic Bullock, right? Vic, not, not, not right. Greg. You you had the the sensitivity. That that by with the combination of Roots and Star Trek said to me, this is a person who understands speculation, but you also understand history. Yes. That that it could conceivably work. So that process of seeing could we turn this into a television series that was enormous, enormous mm. fun. And you got past my cynical side. You know, <laughs> I, I, literally, I put my cynicism aside for you. i can vouch for that that is very true i appreciate that well you you know i i still believe that 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 the time for lion's blood uh, will come i don't i i agree i think that there's some america has some decisions to make about who we are yeah and and we are making those decisions now there's tremendous value in in this alternate history in in terms of just tenderizing us yeah agree that we really 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 get what's supposed to happen here you know, I, I guess that what we try to do on this show is to talk about what our process is and what creative process is so that people can demythologize it and realize this is mostly it's do the work. You know, take care of yourself, take care of your family, hold on to a dream, learn the things that you need to put that dream together, understand that failure is part of the process and that you have to be willing to take care of yourself so that you can keep getting back up when you get thrown off by that cultural horse. Mm-hmm. And our our class, the Life Writing Premium class, is a year-long, every week you get another lesson. And it's not just lessons in plot, structure, characterization, marketing, things like this, but also how do you take care of yourself. So it is this this show, the people who listen to what we're talking about in this show and like the kinds of approaches that we have, 
mm-hmm. to this. I, I'm hoping that many of them will go to lifewritingpremium.com and take a look and see what we have there. T, what you want to weigh well, in? Well, you can you can see the impact of art. Art is not just art. And one of the reasons that that my late mother, Patricia Stevens, do was so supportive of me as an artist was because she understood as a civil rights activist what the impact of representation was. And she wanted me to be, if, if I wasn't going to be a fighter <laughs> in that way, I could be a fighter in another way. And and a lot of you who are listening also have your own stories. You like to listen to LeVar Burton Reads and you're thinking, dang, I bet I have a short story in me. Well, I bet you have one in you too. It, but they, they don't appear by themselves. They and appear- you know, you start with passion, honey. I mean, this, mm-hmm. we if we talk about race, well, we could talk about gender, we could talk about sexual orientation, we could talk about politics philosophy everyone has something that they care about something that actually engages them emotionally that could be the seed of a creative of of a creative spark a spark that is fanned into a blaze or a seed that grows into a beautiful tree we were just talking about one of your stories the other day that that started with the or it's the keeper the keeper novel coming out this month by the way yes and how it started with you spending the night in your great-grandmother's room and listening to her on the oxygen and your own feelings about death and abandonment and things like this then became a a central core and then you use the skills of storytelling to build that into a story but continuing to go into that burning core of your creativity and find the things that honestly move you and then organizing your skills and your time and your energy to build a path that that progressively increases your skill and your ability to communicate that emotion cleanly that's you know we're we're all still learning that yes and and the the great thing about the life writing premium program is you get a module every week from i don't have that much time to i have more time this week you get to decide the pace at which you take the course we do ask that you write a sentence a day because everyone has time to do that but but, or if you don't think you do, you can find it. And then the rest of it you take on your own. You get the modules and and check out lifewritingpremium.com because like my mother said, and it sounds like a lot uh, like what LaVar's mother said, is that you do the work, okay? <laughs> you do the work. You can't control how the marketplace will accept you or not accept you. Oh. But like OJ and Nope kept saying over and over, he must have said it six times, I have work to do. Do the work. Do the work. Do that the was work. Jordan Peele's message to us. Do the work. <laughs> Don't worry about the fame. Don't worry about the prizes. Do the work. So that is Life Writing Premium at lifewritingpremium.com. So, LeVar, you know, before we let you go, what's next for you? What's happening next for you? And where can people, or you're all over the place, but where would you like people to go to find out more about what's happening with you? You can go to my link tree on my Twitter, at LeVar Burton. That's L-E-V-A-R. B-U-R-T-O-N, LeVar.Burton on Instagram. My link tree will, will give you, you know, the snapshot of, of what's going on. But right quick, the thing I love about my life is that as a storyteller, I get to express myself in so many different ways as an actor, a writer, director, producer, podcaster, public speaker. So my, my calendar year, I'm, I'm moving from one thing to another. Just came back from a directing assignment in Hawaii. Right. I start next week recording season 11 of LeVar Burton Reads. I've got a, 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 a this game show that we talked about that we'll be doing in the second quarter of 23. So exciting! For, for CNN. Look at you. Well. Oh my we goodness. 
immigrants and immigration and, and, and their impact on some of America's famous cities, how the immigrant populations have impacted the evolution of, of, of places like Boston, New York, San Francisco. Oh, God. It's, You're a dynamo. Yeah, that is absolutely wonderful. So happy for you and so proud of you. Thank you so much for being on the Life Writing Podcast. And, and listeners, I hope you've enjoyed the show. I'm going to listen to this one more than once myself. And I want you all to go out and be the hero or heroine of your own story. The adventure of your lifetime. Bye-bye, everybody. You've been listening to the Life Writing Podcast. Join us next time for more conversations about creating the project of your dreams. For more information, go to lifewritingpremium.com. And get ready to write for your life. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.